Before we start today's episode, we just wanted to give a quick content warning. Today's episode will cover sexual assault and child abuse. If that's something that you don't really want to hear right now, we understand completely, um, and we will see you in the next episode. Listener discretion is advised. Why on earth would you have hurt those people? Why did you kill those people? Uh, no comments. No comments. I... I cannot answer it at this time. I'm Kendall. And I'm Bree. And this is When the Light Goes Out. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Two week hiatus. I know. Hey, everyone. I know it's it's been a minute since we've made our debut appearance this year so i'm sorry for that it's only been two weeks happy new year happy new year yeah we're (laughs) your guys are like that was like what how long ago Um, it's cool just a fresh what's today's date today's 11 12 fresh 12 days ago yeah 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 (laughs) so yeah we're making this um right before we release it which is not new for us but it's fine (laughs) (laughs) kind of my fault but everybody wish kendall good luck yeah, definitely. Thank you. I appreciate that. It, it's uh, It's been a long week. I feel like it's been a long couple weeks for, I think, both of us. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I had ended up going to Toronto for New Year's, which was really fun, I guess. And, you know, went with some friends. And um, I got really sick throughout Christmas, which really sucked. Um, that was icing on top of the cake and uh on top of that i just really mental health things guys make sure that you're taking care of your mental health because i get it these days it's rough it really is i don't know it kind of went into 2023 stumbling but we're making it through nevertheless we digress (laughs) Um, and progress yeah seriously though uh but we are making up for it today we're here Today is also, when it comes out at least, uh, Friday the 13th. So, happy Friday the 13th, everybody. Ah! Ah! No. <laughs> we need to insert some, like, blood-curdling screams. Oh, I will put that in there. Let's do that. Cool. It's in there. <laughs> Love. Love. Well, um, so, we had got some things pushed back because we have not been able to release some things in the last couple of weeks we just really needed that time um to just recuperate which all of us need it all of us need it sometimes yeah so we put some things back um but we don't want to erase everything we we kept what we initially wanted some things to get rearranged it's okay it happens um but Today, we are covering the case of Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, someone, guys. Yeah, I think, I feel like we've both been a little excited to do this for a minute now. So, we'll see how that goes and uh, once we dive into everything. But before we do that, too, Brie, how have you been? I haven't seen you in, like... <sighs> So long. It's been so long. I've been chilling. You've been chilling. <laughs> I get it. I know you've had to like the last like what couple days. Last yeah. To this just... week I um am on PTO, so you guys I've just been like chilling, relaxing, getting things done in yeah. my apartment, doing stuff that I need to do. I know um Bree does not take days off. That's I the do thing with not her. Take days off. I don't know how she does it because I need days <laughs> off or I will go fucking crazy so i get it though every once in a while i'll yeah. have a little where i like accidentally sleep until like 2 p.m and then my day is kind of over because yeah. i slept in um no i get that i try not to have days off because i always 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 have i mean you're still hard work you're still hard working though i mean you have the show you have your site business and you have your full-time job like you're doing a lot, and I give you an applause for that, guys. Let's all clap. So and school. School's back in session. It started this week. Oh, that is true. Uh, that is true. Oh, my God. Ugh. I actually have to take a syllabus quiz. Wow. This is your last semester of college, though. So you're almost done. I'm so I proud of finally you. finally graduate. Ah, I love ah. it. 
Finally. No, it's it's about time. It's yeah, about it really damn time. Is. I'm so like glad to not have it on my plate anymore. Good. So. No, it's gonna be like a big weight lifting off your shoulders. I'm telling you, it's gonna be so nice. Oh, um, I know. This like week of like not having to deal with it, like the whole break, I guess. Of not yeah. Having to, like focus on school. You'll have more nice. time for your boyfriend. Yeah, more more yeah. more time for your bestie. Now, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. Um, one other thing before I could dive into uh, to the case. No, like I, I haven't really personally been on social media for the last several weeks and i honestly also have not really been caught up on the news i don't know if there's any new cases or things like that going on i do know that we talked about how the um guy who had committed the it's it where's it idaho Idaho murders yeah they had um caught the guy which is really good um very unfortunate for the four people that had ended up losing their lives but you know, hopefully they their families do find justice because that is very important, of course. Um, and in terms of horror movies lately, I saw Megan. Oh, <laughs> I saw yeah, I actually kind of liked it. Uh, it I, I was going in expecting it to be a lot like Chucky or something. Um, it was it had its own little flair to it. So um, I know that it was um, produced by Jason Blum and James Wan which are two big, really big, like, Hollywood horror movie producers or whatever, you know, like Blumhouse and whatever else. So they did a good job on the movie. I liked it. Go see it, guys. It was really good. So, yeah, that's all the horror movie news I have today. Sorry, that's short and sweet. But let's dive into the case because we have a lot to get through. It's a big one. It's a big one. And uh, we're going to do it in two parts. Um... Each part is 11 pages long of notes, so strap in. Um, I know we put a little disclaimer at the beginning, but seriously, guys, this is a pretty pretty gruesome one. So definitely strap in and get ready, because it's story time. <laughs> it's story time, y'all. It's story time, y'all. All right. So today we dive in to a story about pure evil, a being so malignant that some even refer to the serial killer as one of the most evil of them all. This is Richard Ramirez, a.k.a. the Night Stalker. I'm sure most of you guys have heard this. It's a yeah. very, very popular, like infamous serial killer. Yeah, no, it really is. And uh, he does some really fucked up shit. Um, as do most of the people we talk about. It's a murder podcast where you're supposed to do, I guess. (laughs) That's a good point. Um, yeah, well, Ramirez is a brutal murderer that killed at least up to and plus 15 people. So it's just insane that, you know, that might have been everything we know of, but we don't know for sure. You never really know with these people if they committed more murders, things like that, but... Yeah, it, it was in and around Los Angeles and San Francisco, California, between June 1984 and August of 1985. This was a man that stood six feet, and sorry, that was weird. That was a man that stood six one and always wore a ACDC cap covering his wavy black hair and wretched teeth with a grin so frightening that many claim to have seen the devil right through his piercing black eyes. He was also, like, very kind of, like, lean and skinny. Very, yeah. He was very lean very and tall, skinny. skinny. He had very, like, gross, messed up teeth. Um, yeah. Very, um, like, gaunt. Very, like, yeah. Very yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And from what I hear, like, everyone says how he uh, always was, like, very smelly like he always had a weird potent punching like yeah if you guys look up photos of this guy he is fucking he looks like he has yeah and it's just i can only imagine just going into this already how these victims had to go through this because oh my god i have literally not even kidding you guys i've had nightmares about this guy just researching him for the last couple weeks now and it, it's off it's he did a lot of fucked up shit his first alleged murder victim was a 79-year-old woman by the name of Jenny Vinko. Uh, Vinco. On June 28, 1984, son of Jenny, Jack Vinco, actually lived in the same apartment complex as his mother, which was in Eagle Rock, um, the Eagle Rock Apartments in Los Angeles. 
It was kind of weird for Jack that day because he hadn't been called over by his mother that morning well into the afternoon. And they were like butter on toast. They were really, uh, they communicated all the time. They were always close to each other. So they always had that kind of going on for them. And the last time he had seen his mother was the day prior. So nearly 24 hours later, a little worried, Jack goes down to check in on his mother. Assuming that he could just let himself in with his mother's spare key, Jack goes to let himself into her apartment, but then realizes that the apartment door of his mother Jenny was left unlocked, which was unusual and definitely not like her at all. So Jack later testifies saying, quote, I looked around the living room and I saw everything thrown around the floor. As he proceeded to look for her, it was then after entering her bedroom where he had found his mother laying sprawled out on the bed in the dark. After several times of calling her name, he got no response. After a close glance, his eyes adjusted to a truly horrifying scene. Uh, We're diving right in, guys. (laughs) Jack had seen a brutally slain Jenny Vinko sprawled out on her bed. She had been stabbed, sexually assaulted, and her throat had been slashed so deeply that her head had nearly been decapitated from her body. Little did anyone know, this was the murder from one truly terrifying monster. So, just to kind of dive a little into his early life, because you know I like to start, you know, you know. Gotta start somewhere. Gotta start somewhere. See what makes the man the man. Oh, seriously though. Richard Ramirez was originally born Ricardo Livia, I think I said it right, Livier, Livier Ramirez, on February 28th, 1960, in El Paso, Texas, to Julian Ramirez and Mercedes Ramirez. Richard was actually the youngest of seven, though his childhood alone was not very sweet at all. He actually had a pretty terrible childhood, and most of that was left in the hands of his abusive father, Julian, and his own cousin, Mike. There was not a ton of information on Richard's mother or anything that I could find, Mercedes, other than both of his parents being Mexican immigrants. But according to reports, Richard's father was violent towards him and his siblings. Richard's siblings alone weren't exactly raised to be innocent, either. They had been... There had been a report of Richard's older brother, Ruben, that had said he was arrested on a car theft. And as soon as, um, soon after, he kind of, <laughs> he started developing this weird glue sniffing addiction. <laughs> Don't know. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And the oldest of the siblings, Robert, had developed a drug problem. So there's that too. Like we have mentioned before, too, uh, we don't blame me for feeling sorry for the child version of a serial killer because I feel like kids really need to be nurtured and cared for. Nine out of ten, these aren't the situations where they turn out being the greatest in the long run. It's unfortunate. And I mean, I feel bad for child Richard because he didn't really get the chance to. Yeah, it's out of his control. that he It really is. In that environment and grew up in that environment i guess yeah it it really is just terrifying it's terrifyingly sad that and you'll see in a minute that he just really went through a lot and he didn't really get a chance from the start from the jump he wasn't it wasn't in his favor to be some maybe he could have been in a band or he could have been some cool business dude or something but but to clarify that doesn't um mean anything for his actions no not at all many like we said in the last couple episodes there have been many of people who have had some terrible childhoods and did not grow up to be serious yeah they changed not justify exactly or anything but it is very unfortunate that he did have to have a childhood like that yeah definitely yeah and many researchers speculate and justify this behavior that he had later on by many saying that it was a result of all the head injuries that his father may have inflicted on him. They suggest that he may have developed temporal lobe epilepsy. There have also been several sources that shared about how at an early age of two, uh, two years old, a dresser had fallen on top of Richard, giving him a forehead laceration. Another time at the age of five, according to AETV, 
Wait, and those like dressers and like the sixties and seventies were heavy. That heavy was not no hell. IKEA press board. Hell no. <laughs> that was some yeah. oak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is mahogany. Sorry, yeah. right? right I mean. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah. No, you're right. It that shit is not light at all. So no, yeah. to think about that, it's just terrifying that a oh, kid had had that God, happen to that's them. That's not like the IKEA mall oh, that's been falling no, on kids. Not that's at all. Like what an oak tree jesus and so and another time at age five according to aatv he was swinging on a swing and somehow knocked was knocked unconscious it was then that he started experiencing epileptic seizures so two things like that to happen on top of your father allegedly you know being abusive and then Next, on top of that, his cousin, Mike, was definitely a bad influence and definitely the definition of a bad influence. Um, Mike was fairly young at the time, maybe, I want to say, like, early to mid-20s. He had moved into the Ramirez home after returning from war. He'd tell uh, Richard about all this fascinating stories, quote-unquote, about the torture and mutilation he once inflicted on yeah, these women. Yeah, I women. this. Mm-hmm. And then... Yeah, keep going. Oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Before I spoil it. No, it's okay. And I was just going to say, yeah, he had inflicted um, so much torture on these Vietnamese women that he had met when he was serving in the Vietnam War. But Mike wouldn't just share these stories. He followed up with the stories by sharing t- terrifying Polaroid photos he had taken of these women that he had raped, tortured, and killed. Still a child, Richard really just started seeing his cousin as a role model because of this. Yeah, like, his cousin almost inspired him. Yeah, he literally almost did. He he was kind of, like, his, like, person to look up to. And I'm like... Also, can we talk about how his cousin is also, like, a serial killer, but just, like, a war? Yeah, like, a war, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like, Jesus, and, like... And keep in mind, we're, yeah, like I said, like Richard is so young at this time. So it's like, this is what you're learning. Like, this is what yeah. you're oh taking God. from. It's just, oh, it's crazy. And it's just like, this is a crazy family. It was one of those kind of like, you know, from the start, from the jump, the family yeah. was just awful. So, like I said, Mike wouldn't share these stories. He would share these horrific and terrifying Polaroid photos with him. And they were just disgusting photos. Still a child, um, Richard had really started seeing his cousin as the role model. And around this time, Richard was about 12 years old. So the two would casually just smoke marijuana, which would spark Richard's interest to jerk use, which is insane because the kid is 12 years old. What the fuck? Man, I think I was still playing with Barbies. I was, I was playing with Barbies myself. Like, like what? <laughs> I, yeah, it's just insane. And by the age of 13, according to the book The Night Stalker, The Life and Crimes of Richard Ramirez by Philip Carlo, Richard really idolized his cousin and began to become aroused from the violent stories that his cousin would tell to him about this uh, Vietnam woman that he would just torture. So in addition, Ramirez had also been in the company of his cousin when his wife and him had gotten into this altercation and his cousin Mike literally shoots his wife at point blank range in the face. Ah! Uh, yeah. Yeah, girl. Like, literally, he was just there as a kid. And I want to, like I said, he was like 13 years old at this time. His fucking cousin shoots his wife in the face in front of this kid. Ah! Uh, over an altercation? Over an altercation, yeah. Ah! Uh, oh, oh my god. Yeah. I- Crazy enough, somehow, Micah only been given four-year prison sentence. Why? And was found not guilty on the grounds of insanity. Why? <laughs> Thank you. It's not insanely crazy. It's just... Oh. Okay, I will be leaving. I'm packing up my bags, and I am moving to outer space. <laughs> crazy. It's what? just like... From the jump, That's I'm not you. insanity. Thank you. I, I yeah, like you're. There's no insanity. You've killed your wife, and not only did you kill your wife, but these people don't even know about the fact that he kills all these Vietnamese women. I'm sorry. How is that insanity? This man is a serial. Oh my god. Okay. Anyway, yeah. Story for a different day. <laughs> so it was not until 1977, at the age of 17, 
When Richard faced his first arrest, crazy enough, it was just from marijuana possession. So some sources suggest that he was arrested for a string of petty crimes between 1977 and 1982, but most uh, referenced it being just from marijuana possession. So that's what I found. That's just what I'll go with for now. But shortly after being released is when Ramirez picked up and moved to Texas, uh, Texas to California. Nothing good progressed from this move. He started to rely on cocaine and soon developing a pretty gnarly cocaine addiction, began burglarizing homes, became fascinated with weapons, and began educating himself on Satanism and the infamous serial killers such as Ted Bundy and the Hillside Strangler. For anyone unaware, the story flows into the 80s and many, and especially in California, or Southern California that is, were very fearful of anyone that claimed to practice witchcraft or groups that roamed around claiming to worship Satan. All the more in Southern California residents were already just dealing with the crimes um, of the Hillside Strangler, like I just said, and the crimes of the Manson family. That ranged between the late 60s. And this cult definitely does some damage, girl. (laughs) So that alone helped promote the satanic panic well into the 70s and 80s. So the making of this monster really just made everything way worse in the realm of the Western United States. And like we mentioned, Richard Ramirez had a list of pretty crimes, and it just kept growing and growing between the late 1970s and early 80s, already being the product of abuse and neglect by his father and having a murderous cousin that murdered his wife right in front of him as a child. Definitely, it's a starter pack for a cold-blooded killer. So, I'm just saying that. And as we have seen from countless other serial killers, like Brie had said, after experiencing a terrible childhood trauma, being shown that torturing people is an option to them, dabbling in hardcore drugs and starting off with petty crimes, it's always some reason like the structure of a serial killer for some reason. It's just weird. It's crazy that that works like that. I'm not saying it's everybody, but it seems to be a lot of the people at least we've covered. Mm-hmm. So, But being that Ramirez has hit all these points leads up to what we believe is Richard's first murder. Of course, this comes fr- uh, full circle at uh, to the beginning of our story when we had talked about um, June 28th, 1984, when Ramirez tragically murdered 79-year-old Jenny Vinco in her apartment in Eagle Rock, Los Angeles. It is not unusual that Ramirez dove right into this murder so unhinged. Most murders this gruesome are usually connected with someone or connected to someone the victim knew or was close to because of how personal the slaying is. But the thing about Richard Ramirez is that he didn't have an M.O. He just killed. Yeah, he just did it to do it. He did. Yeah. The, the reason he is found to be one of the most terrifying serial killers is because he never had a vendetta. Never had one. He just found a hobby and wandering into anyone's home, raping, murdering them, robbing them, and for fun of it, just doing it just to do it. Yeah, and he didn't really have a, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. he didn't really have like a type either. Like it was just any woman. Any woman. No age, yeah, you're nothing. right. No, any woman, and he did do some things to little boys too, and huh, we'll sleep past it, <laughs> but, um, yeah, he he really had no specific yeah, mo. He was just like most of the time he did, and of course, like I said, we'll go into it in a minute here. But uh, he often went for the man first, just to get him out of the way, and then, of course, went for the the woman yeah. if she was in the house at the time. So, um, so yeah, this was an individual that broke into homes, not knowing who did he find on the other side of the door, and had no problem hurting the men women or children oftentimes he did this in the middle of the night which is even more terrifying hence his alias that we will talk about a little later but it is also crazy to think that that all occurred in the 80s revolving around the serial killers because i feel like there was a lot of serial killers around this time for some reason in the 80s just at least active especially in um western america at least um there was 
around this time, the BTK killer that had um, also been active. He was active in Wichita, Kansas around this time. This His actual name was um, Dennis Lynn Rader. And AKA BTK. BTK. Bind, torture, kill. Yeah, yeah. He uh, would bound yeah, his female victims. He would torture them and he would kill them. Hence the name. And ah. it's just truly, just truly terrifying that Unfortunately, this was also happening around the same exact time as Richard Ramirez being active in California. And oftentimes he would take them out of the bed. He would do it when they were sleeping and force their husbands to watch. Don't know if we'll cover that someday, but it's a pretty crazy and gnarly case. So after the murder of Jenny Venko, several months had gone by before Ramirez was struck again. And believe it or not, things got crazier from here because on March 17th, 1985, 22-year-old Maria Hernandez was just coming back from work and was pulling up to her condo in Rosemead, California that she had also shared with her then 34-year-old roommate, Del Okazaski. As Maria had pulled into the garage and began to get out, a tall, strange man, dressed in all black from head to toe, wearing a black ACDC cap, walks right into the garage and slams his hand down on the car. She then turns around, because she had her back kind of facing the garage entrance, to see this guy standing right before her. Well, as soon as she looks down, she sees him holding a twenty-two caliber pistol. He raises it and shoots her. As soon as he shoots, she quickly raises her arm to protect her face. She flies backwards to the ground, and Ramirez just steps right over her and heads into her home, where Della Zosky was, unpacking her groceries in the kitchen. What Ramirez did not realize was that Maria was not dead. Maria had actually hadn't been hit at all, because the bullet she had been shot with ricocheted off of her car keys when she had raised her arms which had forcefully pushed her to the ground what a lucky what a lucky like, move it's like shot. lucky it's like an unlucky lucky shot yeah and a few minutes go by and maria just lays there she lays still to Good. the first of Smart. yeah of course like first of all she's recovering from that blow to the ground but also until she hears her attacker close the door from behind him she's very clever about this She's a bad bitch. The next thing she is thinking is, okay, odds are he's going to come back through that door at any moment and he could still shoot me and, you know, kill me for good measure. So I need to go and find help. So she gets up and starts running down this alleyway between the uh, condominiums, but she hears a shot ring out from inside the condo and becomes conflicted because she knows her roommate is inside, but knows that she also needs to get help. So she turns around and she heads back to the condo, the condo's front door, this time to avoid running into her attacker again. All the while, inside of the condo, when Maria had first pulled into the garage, Dale herself had just gone grocery shopping and was unpacking groceries when she hears a gun go off right outside of the back door to the garage. So she crouches down behind the kitchen's counter and it's dead quiet. After she hears the back door open and close, a couple minutes go by and she peeks up from behind the counter through the groceries where Richard Ramirez had been standing right there staring dead at her on the other side of the counter. It was around this time that Maria heard a gun go off inside of the condo and she turns back around to go help her roommate And just as she reaches the front door, thinking that he's about to come out the the exit in the house that he came through, he comes out of the front door and they both stare at each other, dead in shock. Because Richard had thought he shot her dead. And so Richard raises his arm with the twenty-two caliber. And just as he does, Maria says, you already shot me once. Do you really want to shoot me again? At that moment, Ramirez lowers his gun and just casually walks away. 
She's sassy. I like her. Oh my god. She said, you failed once. You really gonna try again? <laughs> this is a bad bitch, I'm telling you. She a baddie. If I was roommates with her, I feel like I would have just ran and got help. I feel like I would have not went back. Yeah, that... See, that that's always, like, the question on the Because I get where she was coming from. Like, Oh, yeah, like, save your friend. Save your friend. But I feel like I'd be like, I'm so sorry. I love you. I'm going to live with regret for my whole life. But, like, I need help. You have to protect yourself, too. Like, I need help. Yeah. And like, I it, just it, almost got shot. I need help. There's a man you, in my house. How did she know that would work? She didn't. She a bad bitch. She I love took her. a leap What's of her faith. Name, Maria? Yeah, Maria Horrendo. Maria, if you're still alive, you're a bad bitch. Let me tell you. And, spoiler alert, she does live. And this girl comes back later, and let me tell you. Oh, love. Okay. <laughs> she fucks it up, because... Okay, period. Come on, keep going. <laughs> so, thereafter, Maria had rushed into the condo and locked the door behind her. And as soon as she had walked into the ransacked kitchen, she had seen her roommate, Dale Akazaski, laying dead in the kitchen. She had received a bullet to the forehead at point-blank range. See, that's all I'm saying is she heard that gunshot, so I'd be like, there's no there's way no that way. Yeah. Back. So I would have just kept uh, going. She's lucky that he uh, decided to Just walk let her go. Oh, like, I'm just thinking about it, too, and I'm like... It would have been for no reason. She would have turned uh, back for no reason. Like, I can't imagine this happening, but imagine... You're like, okay, you're trying to be... You're trying to be that final girl, right? <laughs> but... You're like, okay, I'm conflicted. Like, I just heard that and I'm scared for my friend. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, Lord forbid this ever happened. Like, what? I don't know why I would do in that, that situation. Yeah, I would want to, like, go get help and go protect myself. But at the same time, I see, again, what she was doing. But I couldn't. That trauma must it sit, it must sit with you. And honestly, I don't know how I would feel after that. But I can only imagine the scary fact that this man had randomly walked up to me and just held a gun to my face and shot me and I had lived through it and then my roommate didn't. I mean, the whole experience is traumatic. Oh, (laughs) it's just so sad. So, fortunately, sorry, fortunately, Maria was able to live through this just traumatizing event, like I said. She called 911 where she gave a pretty accurate description of their attacker. He was about 6'1", Wearing a black members-only bomber jacket, which was very popular brand at the time, she uh, he wore black pants, black shoes, and a black ACDC cap, which mistakenly Richard had left behind at the crime scene on the floor of the garage. Dummy, dumb bitch. Yeah, as horrendously long as it took for anyone to catch this man, he had a pretty bad habit of leaving shit behind as evidence at these crime scenes. And you will definitely see in a moment that he did it almost at every crime scene. So only 40 minutes after the murder of Dale Okazowski, one mile away from that crime scene in the city of uh, Monetary Park, a 30-year-old woman by the name of Sai uh, Leon sorry, Sai Leon Yao had been yanked out of her car and shot in the chest. Good God. The forensic department later connected the cases together as being both victims of a 22 caliber pistol, but somehow, annoyingly, they didn't even choose to believe that these two deaths could be by the same person. So that's really fucking annoying right now, and uh, I think that the LAPD is going to piss us off a little more throughout this. Don't come for us, but... We'll we'll get through it. So, <clears throat> March 27th, 1985, 10 days after the two murders of Del Kazaski and Sai Liao Yu, police got another report of a double murder in Whittier County. What happened that night? Gotta brace yourself, because this is pretty gnarly. So, Ramirez goes into this house by climbing through an unlocked bathroom window and finds his balance by stepping on a plastic paint can that was against the wall. He creeps in quietly, takes out his twenty-two caliber, and fires it into the temple of a sleeping 64-year-old Vincent Cesara that had been asleep on the living room couch. He then goes into the bathroom, where he finds the terrified wife of Vincent, 44-years-old Maxine Cesara. He begins to stab her several times above her vaginal region, rapes her, and then proceeds to cut her eyes out. 
of her head and he takes them with him as leaving the same way he entered through the bathroom window oh my god i know i know i'm really sorry about that that's bad uh and so the like i mentioned Ramirez was never too careful because he ransacked their home and left behind evidence like crazy. Outside of the window he climbed through was a wet flower bed, and on the plastic paint can he had stepped on to get in and out of that house was a shoe print of a 11 to 12 men's shoe. So the LAPD has some piling evidence. They just need to catch this guy in somehow or some way. Not long after, maybe a couple days later, police receive a call from two girls that reported being followed by a strange man that happened to match the description of the composite sketch as depicted him, and sorry, as they depicted him as also being tall and a light-skinned Hispanic male with dark curly hair. And they also got a plate number. Police checked out this tip, they tracked down the plate number, brought the guy in, and even had Maria Herendez, one of the survivors we talked about, check during a lineup to see if this was her attacker. But unfortunately, this was not their guy. It was literally just some creep that was just trying to pick Lumen up throughout the city. So May 14th, 1985, police find themselves at yet another unfortunate and a gruesome crime scene. The victim had actually succeeded in calling the police prior to their death. This was 66-year-old William Doy, who had been shot to death. His wife, Lillian Doy, was later found raped and beaten to an unrecognizable degree, while the house had been ransacked and the walls had been painted with blood spatter. This part is very graphic again. Fair warning. When they found Lillian, she had been noticeably restrained with metal thumb cuffs that were on the ground. During the attack... Lillian attempted to escape the thumb cuffs and pried her thumbs so hard that she ripped her thumbs off. What? (laughs) Yeah. Like, her thumbs were clean off when they found this at the scene. Wow. Cannot imagine. If you look up a picture of what, you know, thumb cuffs look like, they're fucking terrifying. Like, they're really medieval-like looking, and it's just cool. So wait, why are they made? I don't know. Why are any why That's are also a lot like of things made? So random. Like why thumb Why thumb cuffs? Like cool. As a torture device. That. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> like, yeah, no, seriously. For what reason? Yeah. No, seriously. <laughs> okay. Thumb cuffs. Thumb cuffs. Like what a weird uh yeah, thumb. Like <clears throat> you guys can see it, but like your thumbs let me show you a picture. I have to show you a picture of it. They sell them on Amazon. <laughs> Why? Why are they? Oh. Why are they like that easily accessible? They shouldn't be. I think they're supposed to be as. Is this like a sexual thing? Like what? No, is this? no, 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 no. I hope. Then what the fuck is it for? Yeah, this is for bondage. It looks like it. Look at this picture. Stop. That is bondage for sure. But why? It looks like it's half magic tricks, half eighty. Uh, BDSM have like torture. I don't know why the fuck people create thumb cuffs. Why the thumbs? <laughs> and to think like her you see that the way that looks, like look it up everyone. Like thinking of prying your thumbs apart, oh like ouch. Oh no. Like to the point where she cut them off. To where she crazy. they came off. That's crazy. Oh my god. And so at first Oh, sorry. Where was I? Shit. Wow. Okay, so during this time, there had also been a string of child abductions where... I'm sorry. Let me get some water real quick. Actually, fuck that. Let me get this. I forgot this line is behind me. A little Chardonnay. I need a drink of Chardonnay. Oh, that's so good. I'm glad you like it. It's been sitting in my fridge for like a couple months. It was worth it. It's good as fuck, y'all. I'm back. Okay. Woo! Yeah, so, yeah, thumb cups are not not it, guys. Don't don't buy those, please. Don't buy them for your significant other. Don't buy them for friends. Don't buy them. So <laughs> Jeff random. Bezos, take it off of Amazon, please. Yeah, what the? <laughs> I, listen, news to me. I've never heard of thumb never, cups. Well, pff, I haven't heard of it until I started researching this shit. Yeah, I'm like, that's a thing. Okay. So, 
Also during this time, there had also been a string of child abductions where a predator in Los Angeles, metro area, had been abducting children, both girls and boys. This was Richard Ramirez, and he had sexually assaulted these children and just released them. Oh my god. Oh my god. What kind of fucking monster? Oh my god. And you would let these kids go through that for the rest of their lives. I was about to say at that point, like, do they want... Like, and I know what you're going to say. Like, is it worth it? Like, like, should you just kill them? Yeah. Like, you have to go through the rest of your life having traumatizing effects. A lot of these kids. Knowing that you were literally sexually abused by a serial killer. Yourself. You wouldn't want to do that to other people. That's crazy. And what's more terrifyingly just a thought for me, and I didn't put these in my notes or anything, but it's just the thought that a lot of these kids I read had to go through a lot of therapy obviously and a lot of them didn't turn out doing very well i think some of them actually ended up killing themselves later on in life and i think some of them just had a lot of mental instabilities you really fuck someone up but not only like like obviously like being sexually abused at all by anyone is already a crime tragedy and traumatizing in itself but being sexually abused by a known or soon to be known serial killer like i Uh how would you live with that (sighs) that's yeah yeah it's truly for me yeah but at first the police um had thought that these crimes were two different people and i'm when i say crimes i'm referring to um william doy and lillian doy and the kids that were being sexually assaulted and talking about all of us they they did not connect these together at first they always thought that these were just two different people up until one of the scenes where one of the ch- uh, children were brought to had had a shoe print of a men's shoe print size 10 to 11. That matched the same print from the Zazara home. So now police are thinking, okay, we have a match and we know whoever this guy is, is really going for anyone right now. It doesn't matter who it is. Boys, girls, like I said, husbands, wives, he's knocking anyone off this is killing the kill and he's just truly unhinged it's it's just causing chaos all over the tri-state area so detective frank salerno who is also famously known for cracking the hillside strangler case which we'll have to cover at some point in the future uh and detective of lapd at the time gil carillo begins to team up and put their uh, put their heads together to start developing suspects and a case against this molester and serial killer. So meanwhile, as this case is being built, on June 28th, 1985, in Arcadia, tragedy strikes. 32-year-old Betty, uh, sorry, Patty Elaine Higgins had been found on her bathroom floor with her uh, throat slashed. Then, on July 2nd, 1985, only five days later, 75-year-old Mary Kanan, like Patty, had her throat horrifically slashed. Three days after Mary, and I said Kanan, Cannon, uh, three days after Mary Cannon's murder, on July 5th, 1985, in Sierra Madre, a 16-year-old girl, whose name remains very confidential, had just gone to bed while her parents were away. In disarray, she turns over to see a man standing directly above her bed and begins to beat her with a tire iron. Jesus. He had climbed through the window and been good about not leaving behind any fingerprints because he had used black gurning gloves. He severely wounded left uh, and left her soaking in her own blood. This victim, victim did luckily survive, but to what end? It, it's just horrific that... This 16-year-old girl had gotten... Imagine laying in your bed, and I'm sorry to scare you guys like this, but it, it happens. It, it really happens. This girl was laying in her bed, sleep, minding her own business. You look up, and you see someone standing above you. Try your best to get the fuck out of there, because Jesus Christ. And with a fucking tire iron? Like, what? What the fuck? So, it, uh, it's just crazy to me. So, like, the typical spacey murderer that he was, Ramirez had left behind a bloody footprint on the gray comforter he stepped on while attacking his uh, this girl. So, this footprint was another match from the last two crime scenes, and the police know that 
this is all the same guy at this point. They're really just connecting them together. At this at this point in my research, I kind of thought, okay, these various police forces all over Southern California have to have some lead as to, you know, who this person is. But they actually had no idea who this guy was because he, it was, you know, you had this evidence, but you don't know who the guy is. You don't know what he looks like. He's not, you can't connect it to anything. So at this point, he got killed using knives, guns, manual ligature strangulation, and blunt force trauma via tie iron. So he has no defining patterns to his reign of terror. So it just made the search just that much more difficult to figure out. So not to mention, yes, he had found it easier to break into homes in the middle of the night. And that was pretty common. But at the same time, the children were disappearing left and right at any time of the day. And the two girls in the condo were attacked in the middle of the day. So no one is safe in Southern California right now, and residents are just getting really on edge. It's also the 80s in California, so um, it's not uncommon to sleep with your, you know, window open and even come home and leave your door unlocked for maybe even a couple minutes. So fortunately, we know now, don't do that. Don't leave your fucking door open, because, <laughs> girl, <laughs> people crazy out here, especially your uh, window. I'm just saying, you never know. Even if you live on the second story, do you have your window open? You never know. Even if I lived on the fifth floor, I would still leave my windows, like, closed. Yeah, yeah. You never know, though. Like, even if you don't have, like, one of those fire escapes, you don't know what people can do. For like, some reason, I always crazy. think, um, I always picture, for some reason, like, somehow they have, like, a rope ladder, and they, like, attach it to the, like, high of Yeah. No, like, I don't seriously. even think that's possible, but, like, You never know. Scary. You never know. You never scary. know. Scary. Don't try. Or to say, or who's to say, like, even if you did leave your door unlocked, who's to say they won't? I don't know. Like, uh, just don't. I'm like, my windows are locked. And I know, okay, and I just remember, quick sight story, in college, I feel like everyone off campus or on campus left their shit unlocked. Oh my god, I know. Me and my roommate, though, we were super... Good like, about locking your door. door. Okay, oh, good. Hell no. We were just talking about the Idaho murders. Like, not to say they didn't lock their doors, I don't know for sure, but even then, it's like, even if they locked the doors, they still were, like, and you're just letting the, the killer, if there is one, get in a lot easier. Just because you might, let's say, for instance, you live in a certain campus or something and nothing has happened there's been no murders you don't know if people are capable of coming on the campus yeah i mean just because you're like in a group of people your own age that you feel like you can trust i mean not only like murder but also stealing and stealing people are crazy in my dorm i have my macbook i had like all my nice stuff like hell no 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 Hell no. Nah. Don't, uh, don't lock try. your doors. Lock the doors. Lock the windows. Yes. Don't go outside. Keep your keys in fighting position. Yes. Uh, lock your <laughs> car door immediately. In it. Listen, my mama has me paranoid as hell. People don't try me. <laughs> <laughs> so try me. Hey, motherfucking man. Snaps. If you're talking about I'm already on to you. <laughs> Seriously, though, we're speaking facts because, guys, like, I, there's so many young people, and I can't say it's everybody, but there are so many young people out there that think that it's okay to leave their doors unlocked. Don't leave them unlocked. Lock your doors. You don't know. Even if you live in one of the... It's always like those... those um, It's always those stories, too, that it's like, it was a quiet town. Nothing ever happened. And then, boom. Three, murder. Murder. Correct. Like, you, guys, we don't want to be telling your story. <laughs> I'm just saying, like... Uh, just lock your doors. But anywho, sorry, we, we got way off topic for a minute. <laughs> We're talking facts out, lock your doors. So, like I said, um, sorry, where was I at? Okay. So, July 6th, 1985, Lorraine Rodriguez had been sleeping when she hears a loud cracking noise coming from the other side of her home. Assuming it was her husband, who had actually been a sheriff at the time, she had called for him not to wake the children, but she received no answer in the house. She calls for John again, and this time he answers, but she can tell he had just woken up from the couch where he had fallen asleep watching television. Shaken by her voice, John says, 
that wasn't me making that noise. So he grabs his rifle and heads into the bathroom to a window that had never been opened by this family because it always had been painted shut. When I feel like we've seen that before, or we've all seen like that one painted. The landlord special. The landlord special. Yes, literally that. Yeah, it had been painted shut, so it was not. It was really out of the blue that this was just open like that. It was just wide open. Luckily, whoever that intruder was, <laughs> cough cough for Sir Ramirez. He had been scared off when they heard the homeowners walking up, so. To the advantage of the police, they caught another shoe print that had been matched with the rest of the prints found at another crime scene. So, Richard Ramirez is a dumbass right now, and he has always been, I'm sorry, he has always been a dumbass, and he's just collecting evidence for this police to have a strong case against him when they do figure out who this guy is. So, there's that. Though this time, when the police were able to lift the print, they got a clear print of the match so clear that they could tell that it was an 11 and a half aerobics avia shoe that was very uncommon at the time because this specific shoe hadn't been made or barely even manufactured in the united states la county sheriff gary burke is assigned to inspect everything he could about the shoe prints and the shoe itself so he goes and reaches out to jerry subtlefield which is the creator of avia Subtlefield provides a spreadsheet of the sales made in the U.S. that year and everything that had just released. Miraculously, they were able to track down the shoe print to the specific shoe type, which was an aerobic 440... Sorry, I thought I heard knocking. I got so scared for a minute. It's the wind outside. (laughs) Miraculously, they were able to track down the shoe print to the specific shoe type, which was an aerobic 440s men fitness black avia shoe and only six of these shoes in a size 11 and a half have been sold in the u.s five in arizona and only one was sold in los angeles damn so unfortunately this still made things difficult because the buyer paid cash and was unnamed and they hit another dead end they would have had him, but they didn't. And that leads us to the end of part one. But you guys know what? Should we make them wait a little bit or should we just, you know, come out with the next one? Just just give it to them. I guess just give it to them. Let's just give it to them. You know what? Let's just do it. And uh, let's, let's switch it up a little bit. Let's have Brie read part two. No, seriously though. That's my bedtime. No, we're seriously. It's a it's a late night. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah, it is past my bedtime. This is a late night. Late night when the light goes out. Um, but you know what? It's cool. We have part two coming out for you guys. Hit next, and we'll see you when the light goes out.